Happy Thanksgiving. We wanted to do this before we at least started to eat. And while we had a little bit of time, we want to talk about a series that has captured both of our hearts. I honestly didn't expect that I was going to feel this way about it. Not this fast, at least. I said in my first review at the Big Six blog, by the way, this is the Pop Six, Brad Willis, Jason Martin with you as always, talking Mandalorian today, talking Disney Plus today. But I said my first review um, of the series that I'm by no means Mr. Star Wars Encyclopedia. I enjoy the series, but I don't go as deep into it as I do into other things. There's just a lot there. I don't know all the races and the classes and I think we, all of that stuff. We both probably fit into that category. Right. I mean, I have my things that I know every little detail about. We all do. That's the way pop culture works. But this show hit me out of the gates. Maybe the best thing about it, I thought, there were two things that really stood out, and then we can actually talk about the service itself and, and get into the nitty-gritty of the episodes. I'm sitting here writing on two series right now for the Big Six blog. I'm writing on Watchmen, which is really hard to get through a lot of times. It's dense. The content is a little much for, for me these days, quite frankly. And I feel like trash a lot after I finish an episode. It's just so dark and bleak. Mandalorian makes me smile. It's got this positivity running through it, even though there's questions and you know, there's some action and some darkness here and there, but there's something about it that makes me think, hey, I can show my kids. If I'm blessed enough to have kids, I am I can show my kids this one day. This makes me feel good. And then there's this, and this may actually tie in. John Favreau has figured out the secret to streaming television. I've been preaching this for a long time, and no one seems to get it. You don't have to go an hour because you are not at the mercy of television rules. Television rules where Mad Men has to fill an hour on AMC or Sons of Anarchy on FX, they have to fit within those con confines with the ads added in. But when you own the service, you can do whatever you want. So it's never made sense to me why all the Netflix series had to have 10 or 12 episodes that were an hour long and bloated. And you would have dead things that you didn't need where you could have seven episodes at 40 minutes each. That would be great. So here comes The Mandalorian. First episode is 38 minutes, 39 minutes. Second's like 32. This past week's was about 35. And none of it feels wasted. Right. It's, it's effective. And in honor of that, this podcast is not going to be wasted. It's going to be about 40 minutes long. <laughs> you know, it's you, you do wonder if you when you watch some of those Netflix series, if, if, if they're not being produced with syndication in mind. Like if there's some day where they're no longer on the service, could they package them? Could they break them into, you know, segments and put them out into syndication? Uh, Disney Pro, Disney Plus and certainly The Mandalorian doesn't seem to be taking that approach. No. And and it's it is refreshing. It's it's different. I've been really impressed with Disney Plus. We'll obviously get into that, but I've been blown away by The Mandalorian. I've been uh, very pleased with everything that has transpired over the first three episodes. It's uh, it's kept my attention. It hasn't felt like it's gone on too long. I, I initially remember looking at episode two, especially when it dropped. And I want to ask you about that because it, we're not getting the binge watch on this, which no. uh, I kind of tend to like. But I noticed when episode two came out and it was only 32 minutes, it gave me pause because I thought, wow, that, you know, this really kind of doesn't seem like what I thought this would be. But it was 32 minutes of everything you needed. There wasn't filler. There were there weren't side stories. You know, The Mandalorian 
is the focal point of this entire series to this point. And there's not much else to tell when he's not part of it. And because of that, you don't end up with subplot B, subplot C that might not necessarily move the needle for you. You're finding out what's happening kind of in real time, which the, is good. Yeah, there there is no need for needless complexity. And that's what way too many series try to do is establish too much. I think one of the primary questions I enter when I'm watching a television show or a movie these days is, who am I supposed to relate to? Who am I supposed to be? Oftentimes, it's not the anti-hero at the center of a lot of these shows. But here, we are absolutely supposed to be walking with Mondo. We are supposed to be walking with this guy. We're supposed to relate to him. We're supposed to see his decisions as the ones that we might have to make where – you know, when you get to the third episode, he has to decide between what his race is known for, what his class is known for, being a warrior and not asking tough questions and just taking the bounty and moving on, or what his heart is telling him, which is this child is important. But past that, I think they're, I think what they want to do with this child is no good. Basically. Oh, that's clear. I mean, that's clear right off the bat. He knows it. We know it. And he can't live with himself over that. And I think that it's really easy for us to feel exactly the same way. We can see why it would be easy to take this road, but the road less traveled, obviously that gives you a longer series. wouldn't be that long if they just let him go. But it's a decision that makes him a hero in a believable fashion that we could see ourselves potentially being in the same one. And a complete 180 from what I was expecting going in. Yeah, a dark, kind of quiet, brooding kind of deal. How is this going to progress? What parts of the Star Wars universe is this going to introduce me to? And then by the end of episode one, you have, as everyone affectionately refers to it, as Baby Yoda. Yes. And, and, And so now you're thinking... This isn't at all what I expect. No. This is, you know, one man and a baby. You know, in a Western <laughs> Yeah, we're Steve you know. Gutenberg and, <laughs> and Ted Danson. Right, you know. And so uh, it, I was actually, I watched the first episode, and we, we kind of get the build of the character. You see that he is a Mandalorian. He's a bounty hunter. He can be ruthless and lets nothing stand in his way. And then you kind of see that, He's got a soft side. If nothing else, he's annoyed probably by the fact that he his bounty is this is this child. Yes. And but you can almost tell right off the bat that he's he's unwilling to let anything bad happen to him. Yeah, the comparison that I continue to make for the Mandalorian, which which is at its essence, at least so far, a quest deal. It feels like he's on a quest each time. And right now he's decided he's on a quest to protect this child even if he doesn't fully understand why just yet he's he's going with his gut on this first off quests work for me in a big way in shows lord of the rings obviously in the movies harry potter a lot of that was quest oriented a lot of some of the best stories that we've ever seen were quests but the thing that jumps out to me most about the mandalorian is it reminds me so much of firefly in that it was a space western done by joss whedon it wasn't as much a quest, but it starred people that did things that you wouldn't have seen as heroic at first, but that were conflicted and turned into more heroic characters like Mal Reynolds in particular. I mean, you know, basically he went and he was a space rummager. He was almost the equivalent of um, the uh, the dudes that 
showed up that the Java, the Jawa. Mm. Those those guys, those names always escape me for some reason. <laughs> They're just as annoying in the Mandalorian as they were for <laughs> Luke Skywalker, you know, forty years ago. But how cool was it in Episode Two where you see the big and and this is where this is where my surface level Star yeah. Wars knowledge is going to show up. Sure, their roving base, if you will, yeah, that you you had seen in um, A New Hope, yes. When you see it again, you're like, oh, wow, you know, like, I never thought this would be a part of another Star Wars story. And here we are, and his, his ship's been rummaged through by the Jawas, and, and he's got to go. And, and the, you know, the, the action set piece that happens during that where he's trying to retrieve his, his parts for his ship made that episode for me, yeah. episode two. Um, so it was, a, it was an immediate nod to the existing Star Wars universe that, uh, you know, kind of made you feel like you were back at home, so to speak. Yeah, there's enough familiar about this that you can approach it if you are a veteran, but you can also just start watching it and enjoy it for what it is. And there's a definite Western feel to it. Yes. There's a space opera feel to it, but there's more of a Western feel, even to the music. The score. The Ludwig Gorenson score, which is really good. So, I love the theme itself that plays at the end of all these episodes. Yes. Like I, it stuck in my head after episode three for about two days. <laughs> it was... Everything about it is good. I think uh, Pedro Pascal, the voice, and just who he is, even if we'd never see him, he's something about it, it feels right to me. Nick Nolte's just funny that that's who that turned out to be. Yeah. Like, I wasn't even sure until afterwards, and I found out it was Nick Nolte's name popped up. And then, of course, you've got Deborah Chow, who directed the third episode. It's the first female to ever direct a live-action Star Wars deal, which is tremendous. She's also the only, she's the sole director of the entire first season of Obi-Wan. So she's going to be heard from again. And she has another episode coming up next week, or I guess this coming Friday. That episode's directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So they're getting even deeper into that. And look, you don't do something just to tick it off a list. But this is probably something that should have happened a long, long time ago, and there are talented people that could have done it, and they sure picked a good one because Deborah Chow knocked the action scenes in particular in the third episode, which were a large part of the proceedings, way out of the park. So let's talk for a second about, you know, a couple of things that you're talking about. The Obi-Wan series is still coming up. You and McGregor. Yes. And and so that gets us a little bit into what your impressions of Disney Plus have been. So if you remember the day Disney Plus dropped, we had uh, the potential for icy weather rolling yes. through. I woke up around 4 a.m. just to make sure that I wasn't going to get phone calls from the building saying people were having trouble because when that happens, I get in the car and I, I do it myself. I was hosting the wake up zone. I was filling in that day. That's so right. I was downloading it on devices during commercial breaks. Right. So I, I get on Twitter that morning and I'm checking Nash severe WX, who, by the way, if you don't follow They're the best, great follow. Uh, I'm checking just for road conditions and all those kinds of things, just trying to get a beat on what the weather's like. And I start seeing in my trending terms disney plus oh yeah and i'm realizing it has finally dropped the ios app has dropped so i download the app and um go ahead and just sign up for it and so i watched the mandalorian that morning like first thing and i know a lot of people were having issues that the day of i downloaded it on an iphone and an apple tv i had zero issues so Um, you have an apple tv i do stop for this yesterday we got an Apple TV. Really? A 4K, okay. 32 gigabyte. Yeah. And now that I have like plugged it in and messed with it for a little bit last night, 
I don't want to use anything else to stream with. Like, I mean, I have a Roku and I have a Chromecast Ultra and I have all these things. Something about that remote and being able to download all these apps off my phone that actually work have you, on the have big you, screen. Have you put the remote app on your phone? No. Game changer. You don't even need the remote. You flip your phone out. And, and the other thing you can do, is, it depends on the kind of television, is you can basically set your television to respond when you turn when you turn on the Apple TV and it will go to the proper input. So if you walk in the house and you know you're going to want to watch yeah. something, you can just swipe down, go into your shortcuts, hit the app, and hit menu, and the television and the Apple TV come on together. And by the time you find your chair and sit down, it's ready to go. The one problem that we have had with – Disney Plus, at least downstairs, is that for some reason with the sound bar, it cuts in and out. And it's the only thing that that happens on. Really? It's happened on The Mandalorian. It happened to my wife and her mom when they were watching Lady and the Tramp. Hmm. It just cut in and out, and we don't understand why that's happening. Have you gotten online to see if, if others are experiencing Yeah, and I didn't see anything. I did see that there were Dolby Atmos problems and some things like that that well, were that out there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I'm hoping when we sit down and try to watch the fourth chapter of the Mandalorian in a day or two that it won't be there. Cause that that's weird. Like the sound bar was a gift for our wedding and it's been perfect with the exception of Disney plus, yeah. which is really odd to me. Hmm. You know, I've watched two of the three episodes on my phone and I was telling you before we started recording, I want to go back because I've been so eager to watch them that I, I will watch them on my phone just because it's the one thing I have at the moment. Right. I want to go back and put them on the 65-inch big screen and watch it with the surround sound because this this is a well-done series. Yes. It looks great. Yes. Sounds great. The uh, the visual effects, if you if you came into this, and, and you probably didn't because you it's... You probably realized it had money behind it's it. It's the flagship, right. really, of Disney+. Plus. If you thought that it was going to look subpar or, you know, put together like a, and I don't mean this negatively, but, but like a mid-90s CW series, right. that's not the case. This this is motion picture, in, in theaters, quality visual effects, and um, it, it really helps kind of tie the whole thing together. One thing that I have noted watching it is how much it feels like I'm watching a video game from level to level to level, where there's the defined beginning and end point. There are secrets that get unlocked around the deal, and even just the way that Mondo upgrades his armor and then makes the decision to take the tough road that takes you down the difficult levels where the enemies turn on you and you end up having to fight a grief cargo, for example, and leaving him alive, as we found out at the end of 3, which, of course, somebody had to survive. Sure. I mean, and somebody major, and it turned out it would be Carl Weathers' deal, but... There were two things. There was that, and then there was the idea of John Wick when his chip was called in and all the other assassins had a bounty on his life and went after him, reminded me very much towards the end of three when everybody's fob went off. Yes. And they all started kind of trailing well, Mondo. And, and you as the viewer are going, he is screwed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know he's probably going to get out of it, but you know it – he has picked the tough road. Yes, he has. And 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 heading into episode four, even though we are able to see him get his, you know, make his getaway, he's still going to be the, the most, you know, sought after, you know, person oh, in yeah. the galaxy. Yeah. And now he is pretty much public enemy number one. And he was already irritating people because of the reward that he got. And he was the one that got this charge. Oh, and by the way. When they pay him, 
the besker. Know, yeah, the besker, the, the, the credits, so yes. to speak. And they melt them down. He basically melts them down to make them his suit of armor. In episode three, man, his suit of armor. Oh, it's bad, man. It looks like an upgraded video game suit. It's I mean, it's, awesome. it's awesome. So we're Mandalorian takes place five years after the events of episode six. Empire is basically done for. New Republic is the reality. Yes. At that point in time, if you want to try to figure it out. The question I think everybody has right now is what exactly is Baby Yoda? Like, and I understand that's not the name, but it's what everyone's adopted. What else are we going to call child them? is the, the actual name right now. Okay. Well, that's fair. But Baby Yoda's better. I like so I mean, we say Baby Yoda, everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, it lives up to the hype if you haven't seen Baby Yoda. The, which, thing, that, the yeah. thing that's confusing for someone who may not be really engrossed into the world of Star Wars is they hear Baby Yoda and they think that this is the child version of right. Yoda. And it's not. It's not. We don't believe. We assume not. I mean, it shouldn't make sense in terms of the timeline unless there are some form of reincarnation that we don't know about. Right. Yet. And they can write their own rules, so it could turn out to be that. I don't think his, that it will. His species but... at this point has no name. Right. So Baby Yoda. So you're between, but we're between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens yes. right now. The Force Awakens is about The Force Awakening. Right. So we're in a world where the force kind of ain't a thing, except which is why the child is so important because you see force powers from baby Yoda, which would make him priceless if you were trying to regain power, if you were the only one that could somehow harness that or maybe even enslave that or find a way to take it out of the body is maybe that's what they were looking to do in the third episode. Did I read somewhere that the midichlorians are due for kind of a, a comeback in terms of uh, in terms of the canon. So, as you know, the midichlorians were a, a scientific way of explaining the Force. It, it didn't appear, basically, until episode one. Right. And it got, basically, a universal eye roll from everybody involved. They it's were like, in the cells. Yeah, and... it's the Force. Don't try to explain the Force with, you know, DNA. The Force is the Force. You have it or you don't. It's, you know, it's the it's the... The thing between all things that you can feel and you can you know, smell, you know. It, so why try to explain it away? But in this in this scenario where you have this child who clearly is force sensitive, and you're working through an era where it doesn't seem to be as prominent as it was. For sure, are the midichlorians going to make a comeback in the sense of if if they are being able to be harvested? That's a theory. I mean, the theory is that there are midichlorians inside of the child, okay. inside of baby Yoda, and maybe that's what they're trying to extract out of him. And you do find out Dr. Pershing came across like he was kind of evil doctor guy yes. when you first saw him. Turned out not really. Right. He wanted to keep the child alive, and he had more – maybe he still had some kind of motives to profit, but not the same. It also seemed like maybe he was doing it under some level of duress. Because you find out real quick, that, real quick that the client, Werner Herzog's character, doesn't care a bit. Just wants to get whatever we can get out of this thing. And if we have to just deposit him on the scrap heap after, that's fine. Okay, so I'm not much for dropping theories on you in the middle of a podcast. But something just hit me. Uh-oh. Let's go back to the timeline just a, yep. just a touch. Yep. We say that this happens roughly six years 
five years, six years after Return of the Jedi. And we feel at some point, because we were talking about this, when, when this season finishes, it will come very, very close to the start or to the debut of The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Who have we seen who's coming back in The Rise of Skywalker? Emperor Palpatine. Oh, coming back. Yeah, 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 Palpatine. And, and, right, and, right, and right, I set right, that up right. poorly. Gotcha. No, I know what you're saying. Who died in Empire or, or in Return of the Jedi? Right. And Warner Herzog yeah. really kind of comes off like a guy who would be chummy. Pretty, yeah, pretty close to Palp. Yeah. So is this process, is this effort to attain the child, to figure out his force powers and what have Finding you. a way to get Palpatine back. Right. I mean, it could be. We'll find out in about a month. I, 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 think, I think what we're headed for is some kind of reveal that John Favreau has been entrusted with enough information about where Rise of Skywalker is heading. And, and they've said... Disney Plus is going to be essential, especially for the Marvel movies and tying all that together. Are they going to set the precedent early that for some well, of these I mean, things smart to make business. sense? Absolutely. I mean, in a world of 900 different streaming or streaming right. streaming services, you have to stand out from the pack. And if you say, look, if you want to understand where we're going with the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe, which right. are two of the most lucrative properties in all of entertainment, yes. then you've got to have our service because we're going to, I mean, it's not the same as DC Universe dropping Harley Quinn, right. the animated series for adults, because that's all they've got right now. Right. This, if you make this essential in a way that really Rogue One was not, as no. good a film as that was. If you find a way to make this essential to your understanding of everything that is to come, people will run to spend money to make sure they understand it all. Well, and you think about what Rise of Skywalker should be and and you know how many loose ends it has to kind of tie together. One of the questions that's going going to be, you know, on everyone's mind is if Emperor Palpatine is still alive. How did that come to be? You can either lay out all of that exposition in a two-hour movie, or you can basically point to the Mandalorian and say, now you know how he came to be. Right. Just run with it now, you right. know, and, and, and understand that he's back and that's how it happened. And I think that Favreau's done a nice job of very gradually weaving some of the mythos in, not overwhelming with that kind he he's keeping this very simple right. like you can follow what mondo's doing from moment to moment and then you find out about their culture and that the weapons are part of their religion and things like that they you don't can, take off their helmets exactly like there are little things that he can just drop in that apply to everything that's happened in the star wars universe but don't make you feel like the barrier to entry is so daggone high right and i think that that's it's good that he has you know, kind of like James Carville kept it simple, stupid. Like he's just, he's made this thing approachable, even for a child, even for somebody that's, you know, 10, 11 years old, you can grasp the broad swaths of what's happening. Sure. Last Jedi was kind of all over the place yeah, in terms of, like you could get lost in that, like completely. Force Awakens was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. You understood what that was. I mean, it was basically a retelling of A New Hope. Yes, it was for a new generation. And then 
Last Jedi, of course, polarized everybody because it took all these confusing political routes and all these things that it wanted to try and accomplish. Mandalorian's just, here's our story. It's in very easily digestible format, week to week to week. We're not going to throw too much at you. And maybe from the episodic way that they're laying it out, instead of the binge way, they're basically saying, we're not even going to allow you to overwhelm yourself. We're going to give you just enough to to clamor for the next one and then here comes the next one second season's already been approved so we'll get the last five or whatever that's left in this season i think it's eight maybe nine what's your thought on the 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 approach of dropping a, a an episode every week versus an entire season all at once well in that way you're telling people how they're going to consume your show if you give them the whole season they can still go week to week but it's up to them or day to day the thing about binging a show like this is, man, it'd be really easy for me to carve out four hours, four and a half hours, and watch the whole season as opposed to finding the time sure. week after week, especially during the holiday season. But I also don't have to watch it live, so I can watch it whenever I want to. So I could wait for six weeks or five weeks until it all releases and knock it out during the holidays or – you know, I think that we've been conditioned through streaming services to expect that we're getting everything at once. We have. Uh, but the problem with that is, if I just want to watch House of Cards, okay, then every year when House of Cards comes, I pay for one month of Netflix. I get it. I binge it. I cancel Netflix. Great Next season comes out. I sign up for I, I reactivate my Netflix for a month. I pay twelve bucks. I watch the season. I disconnect it again. Now most people are not like that. Most people are not just watching for one show. That's why Netflix has hundreds of original properties to keep you paying month after month after month. And then they have their wide library. And Disney Plus has all this access. If you've got kids, Disney Plus is going to be a thing you're going to want to have. Absolutely. Like you're just going to need it. Most likely, they're going to demand it from you as long as you can afford it. But and it's and it's reasonable. Oh yeah, seven dollars a month. Yeah, and, and I took, I did the three year offer, and so I'm paid up through like 2022 and saving some money, and I'm excited about it, and I can watch it on my phone and my laptop and everything else, and it's the library is very impressive, and I think that the quality is very good too in terms of the 4K and UHD and things like that. Mandalorian does look fantastic on a big screen TV. What's the I won't call it a guilty pleasure, but what's something you found on uh, Disney Plus that just immediately jumped into? Well, the watch list stuff. I mean, like I saw DuckTales and immediately jumped yes, in there. Yes. I saw Darkwing Duck and things like that from my childhood, and they yep. immediately popped in there. Um, Home Alone popped a couple of days ago. I saw I didn't, there are things that you don't realize Disney owns. Sure. Um and then, I mean, Boy Meets World immediately jumped into my queue. And there's things of that nature. I haven't explored it deep enough to find all of them. I know there's articles of ringers written of, here's some of the hidden gems that you might not even realize are here and, and things. And, there, and when you actually search, like, all the available movies, it will show you things that aren't actually available yeah. yet. And there are some that aren't uh, making it to the platform until 2021 that are already kind of in the library. Populated, right. Yeah, like the Mighty Ducks was one. Yeah, that's weird that that it wasn't. I mean, there's all these different, you know, some people own different rights and and things of this nature. But I look at some of it, and I think to myself, there's a lot more they could drop right now, but why would they do that? Because from a business perspective, 
they can offer this next year and get more subscribers. Same thing. Look, Starbucks has a pumpkin spice cold brew for the first time ever. My wife adores it. She sent me a photo of drinking one today, right? (laughs) There's no reason why they would not have a peppermint cold brew during December because the peppermint mocha is one of their highest end products, but they just debuted the pumpkin spice one. I'm sure they already have the technology and they've already figured it out and it tastes like a million bucks, but they've already released a chestnut praline something this year that I like. So next year, all of a sudden, hey, guess what we got for you? That is obnoxious, but it's the way business works. Sure it is. I uh, I introduced my kids to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, nice. So yeah. you saw the old Cheerios. Yes, yes. Rick so, Moranis and the crew. Yes. And uh, and uh, you mentioned DuckTales. That took, that took me back. Um, you can set up kids' accounts, which is nice because – it eliminates a lot of the the PG thirteen movies and all that, and and it's mostly Disney series, and and my kids love that. So it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a hit in my home. Yeah, I think that they've ironed out a lot of the kinks. I need to figure out what's going on with the soundbar issue, but they also how many streaming services or video game platforms because all this ties in together when the Xbox releases. When the PlayStation 2 releases, when the PlayStation 4 releases, when Netflix debuts, when Hulu debuts, how many of them have an original killer app from day one? And the answer is virtually none of them. That comes six months down the line. That's when the first Mario game comes out for Switch, for example. Or maybe you get Breath of the Wild if you're lucky. You get a Zelda game or something. But this thing launched with, boom, here's a Mandalorian for you. That could be the best thing we put on the service originally for two or three years, and here it is on day one. Why would you wait? Sign up now. That's a smart business plan, too. I can't wait for the Marvel series to start dropping. Yeah. Because the Obi-Wan series I'm looking forward to, but when we get to the point where it's um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision, and uh, the Loki series, and all those things, yeah. it's going to be... Yeah, we're finally going to start to understand where they're going. Right. Because right now there's so many questions as to where the Marvel Universe is going, especially with the Spider-Man issue and yeah. and things of that nature. So, after three episodes, three chapters of The Mandalorian, give or take 90 minutes, 100 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood, between the three, I don't really have much negative to say here. I don't like I'm sure that there could be things that they're doing better or maybe they could have made a little bit more exciting here and there. The only thing I'm disappointed is, is they killed off the droid from the first episode that I kind of <laughs> wanted to hang around for a while because Taika Waititi is so awesome. I love Taika. It was like Korg in a droid version <laughs> and him and the Mandalorian going back and forth for five minutes. And the other thing is, and I hope this happens. I know it's not part of the Ugnaughts way or whatever. He's a servant. and Something real interesting about that in a positive sense, but would have liked to have seen him join the crew. Sure. Just so that could have had that back and forth and I could have continually heard, I have spoken. I have spoken. And that's Nick Nolte. Yeah, which is crazy because I remember reading that Nick Nolte was part of the cast and you know, two episodes in, I'm like, where the heck's Nick Nolte at? And it turns out he's, uh, he's this character and, it, and it's really actually really well done. It is. So, takeaways overall from the first three episodes. Can't wait to see where it's going. Everyone loves Baby Yoda, like universally. Yes. Uh, 
I don't think, you know, this is this is not going to be a episode one. Like half the people hated the kid, yeah, because just he was, yeah, right. Yeah, anyway, I don't I don't want to beat on a kid, right? But, you know that that was the deal. Um, everybody loves Baby Yoda. Action is fantastic. Visuals are fantastic. Story is fantastic. It's easy. Can't wait to see where it's headed. Uh, yeah. And one final thought. Any chance Rise of Skywalker is as good as a Mandalorian in terms of how it's received? I think it's, it's a, I think question. it's a, I think it's a really hard bar well, at this point. Here's the issue. The issue is that the, the challenge that Rise of Skywalker has is it has to put a bow on a nine chapter story. Right. Uh, the, the Mandalorian is working almost independently and so it won't be judged as harshly. Right. So no, it won't be nearly as as beloved because there will be people that say, well, it shouldn't have ended that way, or they did that character wrong, and, and there are just too many like personal attachments to a lot of things. Um, so the Mandalorian will win by default, but I do think, I believe that Rise of Skywalker will be far better received than The Last Jedi. Considering how The Last Jedi was seen, John Favreau has rebirthed Marvel basically mm-hmm. with Iron Man yep. with a script for Iron Man and, and the brilliant casting obviously of Robert Downey Jr. And now he's doing the same thing with Star Wars. People were so down in the dumps and they didn't want Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones to be helming them. So they backed off and they're not doing the films. Favreau's going to be the one people are going to want a full film trilogy sure. from coming out of this. And I might be one of those Can't people. Blame them. Can't yeah. blame them. So we will we'll revisit this again when we get towards the end of the season and there's more to say. We're also gonna try, I have no idea how, but we're gonna try to watch all the all the films and talk about them in some way in the lead up to Rise of Skywalker, and we'll definitely have a podcast about that. But this has been a Thanksgiving treat over the last three weeks and looking forward to the fourth one popping on Friday. Yep. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Indeed. We will talk to you again on the Pop Six. We have spoken. <laughs>